One night during the tour with Eric, I looked out at this audience of young women and thought, you know, they're looking up at him and they're thinking, he's going to pick me and he's going to take me home tonight. And then when the tour's over, he's going to come back and we're going to be together. It was the fantasy I saw on every face and it gave me the idea for a song. I called it Superstar. Bonnie and I started writing the song in a hotel room. Delaney and Leon came in, heard what we were doing, and went in the other room and finished it. I sang it as my solo spot on the Mad Dogs tour, and Bonnie later recorded it. But when the song came out as the B-side to a Delaney and Bonnie single, my name wasn't on it. And God, that really, really hurt. Because Bonnie was one of my closest friends, Bonnie doesn't have a mean bone in her body, so I have no doubt that Delaney manipulated that situation. Making matters worse, Superstar was later covered by Bette Midler and became a huge hit for Karen and Richard Carpenter. Bonnie and Leon eventually came clean in a 1992 Blender article and acknowledged that the song was my idea. And when Usher covered Superstar, he included me in the credits. Thank you, Usher. Little did I know I was about to go through the same experience with a song that would become more famous than anything Leon, Delaney, Bonnie, or I would ever record. I was at A&M one afternoon in 1971 after I'd finished my first album, Getting Promotional Pictures Taken. What a great moment that was. My album was in the can and about to be released by the best record company in the world. It was that wonderful lull before the record hits the stores and the reviews come in, when you can't do anything but wait and hope and believe. It's a moment of anticipatory tension, but also of great relief. As my good friend Aaron Neville once told me, it's like you know what they got you for Christmas, but you can't open it yet. The photographer had turned on a radio while he worked. I wasn't paying much attention, but suddenly noticed that the song that was playing sounded familiar. I was thinking, wait, I've heard that before. The photographer was telling me to pose this way and that, but all I could hear was that song. Suddenly it dawned on me, the song on the radio was my song, except that I'd never recorded it. The veins must have been popping out in my neck. I cried, that's my music, that's my music. It was time, the song Gemini had written at the Garfield house and played for Eric at Olympic Studios, except that now it was an instrumental as played by Bobby Whitlock, Carl Radel, Eric Clapton, Dwayne Allman, and Jim Gordon, collectively known as Derek and the Dominoes. The song was Layla and time had been appropriated as the soon-to-be-famous piano coda that gives Eric's greatest song its bittersweet denouement. When I got my hands on the album Layla and Other Assorted Love Songs, I looked at the label. Layla was credited to E. Clapton and Jay Gordon. No mention of R. Coolidge. I was infuriated. What they'd clearly done was take the song Jim and I had written jettisoned the lyrics, and tacked it on to the end of Eric's song. It was almost the same arrangement. 
I have to admit it sounded stunning. Juxtaposing Eric's desperate verses about his unrequited love for Patty and the Codas, make that my Codas, wistful winding melody with Bobby's piano and Eric and Dwayne's guitars intertwined with Jim's dramatic cymbal fills was a masterstroke. Following Eric's impassioned singing and guitar playing, inspired by the torture of falling into a forbidden love, the coda was nothing less than bliss. The sound of love fulfilled, a critic noted 40 years after the song was recorded. Even without my words, gems in my original intent shines through. That didn't make being left out of the songwriting credits any easier. I told David Anderley and A&M's Jerry Moss about not getting credit on Layla. In fact, I told everyone I knew. I finally called Robert Stigwood, Eric's manager. All he said was, You're going to go up against Stiggy? The Robert Stigwood organization? Who do you think you are? You're a girl singer. What are you going to do? I talked to David, and he was sympathetic, but said, You know, you don't have the money to fight this. And it was true. Also, the Layla album was not an especially big hit when it was released in 1970, and certainly nobody knew that Layla was going to become Eric's anthem. But that was beside the point. I deserve credit for my work. I never wanted the money. I just wanted my name on it. When I later learned that Stiggy had been hung out of his office window by a fellow manager's goons to dissuade him from poaching an act, I wanted to applaud. There was no way Jim could have forgotten we'd written the song together. And frankly, I don't think Eric could have either. Despite the heroine and his general dissipation at the time, I don't think he was in such a musical vacuum that he wouldn't be able to remember me playing the song for him at Olympic. I later found out that when we were touring with Eric in England, Bonnie happened to be sitting next to him on the bus the day he started writing Let It Rain, which ended up on his first solo album. He played her parts of it and watched for her reactions. She told me she'd maybe say, Hmm, that was the sum of her contribution. But when the album came out, she was listed as a co-writer. She had not co-written the song, but Eric had been generous enough to give her credit. I wish he'd been as generous with me. There was always something about Eric that wasn't friendly, just something about him that's kind of elitist, that entitlement thing you see with some English people. George Harrison certainly never had it. He was the sweetest guy in the world. But Eric always has, as long as I've known him, which has been a long time. Somewhere in there, though, I think he does remember that I co-wrote the second half of his greatest song. That he hasn't acknowledged it is the last little part of that experience that I can't let go. And I try not to hold on to it because it's not going to hurt anybody but me, right? If I sound bitter, I'm not. Layla has generated hundreds of thousands of dollars in songwriting royalties, maybe millions, over the years for Eric. But I know that part of Jim's share actually went to his daughter Amy, and that, finally, was how I was able to deal with it, just knowing 
that she had something from her dad. Every night on stage before I sing Superstar, I tell the story of how the song was written. Until now, I've never told of how I helped write one of the greatest rock songs ever recorded. Layla has a lot of fathers. In addition to Eric's and Jim's contributions, Dwayne Allman may have adapted part of the song's guitar riff from Albert King's vocal on As the Years Go Passing By. But I think it's time everyone knew that it also has a mother. <laughs> 